And in your own Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Great song of words in the worship this morning leading into this passage as well. Amazing job the, the worship teams do to prepare uh, to come alongside the message in the mornings. Well, let's stand together, and we're going to read the first 13 verses of Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We'll pray as you're seated. Be seated. Father, we thank you this morning for your living and powerful word. We humbly look to you, completely dependent on your spirit to grant us understanding that we may grow more and more into the image of Christ. Work in us according to your good pleasure. We come with a desire to submit to the authority and the exhortation of your word. Amen. Well, the University of Guelph is uh, doing a little expansion. They're building a new bee research center. I know that would excite you. The, uh, right now, they've got a little building, but it's world-renowned in its research to do with the activity of bees. And that last year, there was 4,000 visitors to this small building. And there's courses ongoing with up to 40 students. They just squeeze them into a room. And uh, there's ongoing courses at the university. But there has been a, a desire to see this expand because this is such important research. 30, a third of our food supply is, necessitates bee pollination. And uh, recently there's been a lot of death in, in the bee colonies around the world. The scientists are trying to figure it out. And there were certain a number of architects that, were, that really were looking forward to presenting a, a plan on how to build this building. So... The one that was chosen was in the shape of a hive in the foyer, and it's, it's going to be really a kind of a neat building at the university. But for our year, it was 40 years ago that I graduated. So for our 40th anniversary, an appeal has went out to our whole class. 
And by the way, this is Dorothy's birthday as well, 79 years old. So, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Or Audrey, sorry, Audrey's birthday. <laughs> so I graduated in 79, Dorothy. Uh, Audrey. <laughs> Where is Dorothy? There's a couple of Dorothys here. That are... Okay, back on track. I shouldn't be ad-libbing. That was a total ad-lib. So an appeal went out to our class to raise $100,000 for this building. And it was an appeal, look what the university has done for you. This is a time to give back. So that is something that, that has been presented to me. So sacrificially, I, I would be thinking about giving towards that uh, in memory of what our classes received from the university. So our passage in Romans 12 this morning is also an appeal to a specific group of people with an obvious motivation to present something of extreme value, more than just money, and not to an institution that gave our class knowledge for a short season of which we begged, board and stole money to pay for, but to God, who is worthy of all glory, who demonstrates his own love, Paul writes in Romans, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And through him we receive the gift of eternal life. So we are looking at a strong appeal to the church this morning. And who are the recipients? As we look in verse 1 of chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. In, in chapter 1, Paul says this, we're, I'm writing this letter to the saints in Rome who are loved by God. It's to every brother and sister, to the whole church in Rome, and this morning to the church at Maple Ave. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for us in every way. So we're looking at this appeal this morning to our church, to every believer, those who are united in Christ, both in his death and resurrection. So outside of Christ, there is no way to meet this appeal. Any good work on our own strength is not acceptable. Those who are in the flesh, Paul writes, cannot please God in chapter 8 of Romans. The mindset in the flesh is hostile toward God. So the appeal is to believers who walk according to the Holy Spirit and have received the gospel. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So the grounds for the appeal to the believers is what? By the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, therefore, in light of what the letter has spoken to the believers about by the mercy of God. So this is uh, chapters which pastors take years to present to the congregation. The deep theology of Romans chapter, chapters 1 to 11, and, and Paul just summarizes it as showing the mercies of God. The expository preaching of those passages is so dip, deep and rich as we've known in our studies with the men and women week by week as well. So those theological chapters are important to us, aren't they? They're the grounds for this appeal. In light of this mercy, this message of reconciliation and salvation to all the descendants of Adam, this is an appeal reaching out to all. So a brief synopsis of the mercies of God as we look in Romans Number one, all are under sin. Paul writes in chapter 3, There is none righteous, no, not one. And listen to the bodily parts here. They use their tongues to deceive. Their mouth is full of curses. The feet are swift to shed blood. 
There's no fear of God before their eyes. And in that same section, he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. But through the mercy of God, the gift of eternal life comes to us through the gospel. That gospel in chapter 1, Paul says, is about the Son of God who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And it's through that gift of Christ that we can walk now in newness of life. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God because the righteousness of God has been manifested through all who believe by faith in Christ. Listen to the language of God's mercy in these chapters. Love, grace, kindness, patience, forgiveness, power, justification, security, adoption, resurrection, comfort, faith. All words that spring from the pages of those first 11 chapters of Romans. And what does mercy mean? We don't deserve any of that. We depend on God reaching out to us in mercy. So describing mercy, we saw something visual on our recent Christmas Eve service. I know even a great-grandfather was excited and moved by the visual when Rachel brought the kids up Christmas Eve night. So the candy man was like a child again. That's on Christmas Eve. We all come that way, don't we? So there were these three boxes all wrapped up up here. The Cracker kids were excited about it. They believed it when I said there's a trap door under that big box and somebody's going to jump up through. So, of course, we were enamored. We saw a scroll with the first box. It was open, a scroll. And in Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And it's pointed this one, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace. And then the second box, we had a cradle with Appleview Farm straw in it. That was real straw. And, and that was the beautiful gift of a baby. And that was exciting. This is Christmas Eve. We're all getting excited. We're receiving gifts, and God is doing something wonderful, and the angels are singing. And then that last box, they open it up, this huge box, and out came a cross. And I think we all just felt, are you sure? Is there a cross part of the story? Is that really what the gospel is, that this son is given to us, has to die? And that's a stark reality, isn't it? That God so loved the world that he sent his son to die. It pleased the father to crush him when he made his son an offering for guilt, a sin offering. So what a beautiful picture. A scroll, a cradle, and then incredibly, for the Son of God, a cross. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. That's Romans chapter 5. So near the end of this exquisite theological treatise, Paul summarizes... If you have your Bibles open at Romans 12, if we look back to Romans 11, verse 32, in that rich theology about the salvation to Israel and the Gentiles being grafted in and disobedience of Israel and all that that encompasses, he said in verse 32, for God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. So this appeal to the believers in light of the mercy of God, 
There's only one way to come to God. It's through his mercy. And then following that, at the end of chapter 11, concluding with exuberant doxology. If you look at verse 33, it starts, Oh, the depth of the riches. And then how unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. Verse 35, Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Where do we arrive at the end of this deep theology of Romans 1 to 11? We come to this doxology. Doxa, glory, the glory of God. To him be glory forever and ever. All through the New Testament, Paul goes from doctrine and theology to doxology. So that's what we're doing this morning. We're singing to the glory of God. We are doxological expression of of love and faith towards God in, in worship to his glory. So now we come to the appeal, the theology leading to a doxology, and now the practical outworking of this appeal. It says, Paul, Paul writes, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The contrast is very stark. In Romans chapter 1, Paul writes about sin and men who suppressed the truth. And though they knew God, they did not glorify him. And they weren't thankful. And they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And, And they started to worship and serve a creature rather than the creator. So it says God gave them up and said, what for the dishonoring of their bodies? Apart from God, And going our own way, and instead of worshiping and knowing him, worshiping the creature, it says, for the dishonoring of their bodies. And we read about the renewal of of the mind in verse 2. He says he gave them over to a debased mind. So in Romans 1, the contrast of dishonoring the body and a debased mind, now we come into the believer's calling, and now set free by the extraordinary mercy of God, we see bodies that are presentable and minds that are renewed. Peter grasped that priestly function. He says in in chapter 2, he says that we come to Jesus as to a living stone, chosen by God, but rejected by men. And then it says, but we also as living stones are being built up a spiritual nation, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. So the fact that we can come and be a holy priesthood before God and that we might offer up ourselves and it's acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, Peter writes. So that's just a special privilege that we have. Revelations would say that we're a kingdom of priests to our God. And what more beautiful thing could we offer than ourselves? I was thinking this morning about Abraham and Isaac and just... Take Isaac and offer him up. And, and that's how we're offered. The father, Abraham, takes his son Isaac and laid him on that altar. And now we come completely given to the father, trusting him completely. Lord, do whatever you want with me. Here I am on the altar, trusting God. So that offering is given in light of the justification of redemption newness of life in Christ. They could not be more holy and acceptable. 
You know, it says in Romans, the body is dead because of sin. How could these sinful bodies be acceptable to God? God has called us. He's made us new. We're new creations in Christ, and we can. The Levitical sacrifices were given, a male without blemish, and and brought in a certain precise instruction that it might be acceptable to God. But now what could be more acceptable than coming through that death of Christ, the cross, the cradle, the incarnation, and, and all this glorious gospel message that we just celebrated at Christmas. So we're coming to God holy and acceptable. And in a priestly form, we're laying down our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Eugene Peterson paraphrased, Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. This is something, I, I love that word every day in that. This is an, an ongoing presentation of ourselves to God. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. To get the heart's feeling and emotion of, of certain response to God, where do we go? We go to the Psalms. That's why we get into Psalms so much. It, it starts to put words into our own hearts that we can say back to God. I want us to turn for a minute to Psalm 116. If you could turn nearly the very center of your Bible. Psalm 116 is just such a, an expressive psalm in, in light of us coming before God. The first line, I love the Lord. The last line of the psalm, praise the Lord. This is worship. This is we're coming to God because we love God. This is a sacrificial expression of giving ourselves to God. And if we go down in verse 1, he's heard my voice and my plea for what? For mercy. In light of this mercy of God, he inclined his ear to me. I'll call on him as long as I live. And there was a very difficult situation. Verse 3, death and the suffered distress. And I prayed and called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, deliver my soul. And then stating, we, as we can state to God, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. I was thinking of the Seward family with this verse. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Look at verse 9. Here we are in this world, and what are we going to do? I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? How can I respond to this amazing, great mercy of God? And then he, he goes on, I will lift up the cup of salvation. I will pay my vows to the Lord. Where? In the presence of all his people. So this appeal to the church that we might present ourselves to God, we pay those vows in the presence of his people. Then he says in verse 16, the writer says, O Lord, I am your servant. You have loosed my bonds. That's the bonds to self-worship and, and the world's pull 
away from God. You have loosed those bonds. And now I am your servant, and I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. So spend some time in Psalm 116 in light of Romans 12. It gives a beautiful expression. Lord, this is what you've done for me. You've delivered me. You've shared, poured your mercy out of me. I love you, Lord. What shall I render to you for all your benefits to me? I will pay my vows. I will call on the Lord. I will present my body as a living sacrifice to God. Have you ever gone home from church and said, boy, the worship was good today. I just loved the way they strummed that guitar and played that piano and beautiful harmony. But what does this passage say worship is? We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. We come together, and I love the songs today. The words of the songs were all about sacrificing and trusting God and picking up our cross. And whatever comes, we're with God. He's walking us through it. And so, so this is our spiritual worship in the next coming year that we will focus on presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Such liberating I don't say easy to do, but a little bit. We get up in the morning. We got all these agendas and things to do and places to go. But I said, Lord, what do you want from me today? I'm going to give you my hands, my feet, my energy, my time. I want to serve you. You know why? You bought me. You, in the light of your great mercy, this is what you've done for me. I'm yours. But we do get, it's hard to do that, isn't it? But wouldn't it be just great if the first thing we said every morning this coming year, Lord, I'm presenting myself to you. We present ourselves to the Word. We present ourselves to God. One man said, To know beyond doubt what I ought to do, and knowing to do it seems to me like heaven on earth. And I think that's the way I felt when I'm reading this. Lord, this is life-changing for, for me. Just these simple verses. This appeal in light of all this doctrinal stuff that's important. We can do something simple and say, Lord, here I am. Let me walk with you. Let me serve you. So there's some demands to this appeal. We're back to Romans 12. It says in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. The Bible says we've been delivered from this present evil age. It tells us that this world is under the sway of the evil one. Just last week when we were finishing up in Ezra, and by the way, aren't you glad for Mitch and Elizabeth that we weren't going through Deuteronomy when they named their child? <laughs> Ezra, Tobias, you know, that's okay. I've been thanking the Lord all week. I'm thankful the Lord that we were in Ezra. Beautiful name, isn't it? Just a great blessing. So just last week in Ezra, we saw that the that the pagan nations and the idolatry was going to pull Israel away from God. It would have been to their demise. It would have, they would have been conforming to, again, the worship of the creature and the, the lustful sexuality of, of pagan worship as opposed to walking with God according to his ways, God's presence being with them, being with Israel. So that was something that we're, we're just was vividly aware at the end of Ezra. Don't be conformed 
to these nations around you, to this world around you. Be conformed to, to Christ and to God's ways, God's people. This world that's passing away and the lust of it. I remember James saying one time that we've been in two, maybe 200 years where the ethical lines of the world and the church have been somewhat uh, alike. But have we ever seen anything like in this last decade where all of a sudden it's just it's got so blurry and it's, not, I'm, I mean, it's got less and less a demarcation of division between the world and the church? There's a growing animosity towards biblical ethics and biblical standards. It's just, it just doesn't fit into this culture we're living, we're living in. Secularism, one person said, is in the saddle. And it is so concretely becoming politically rooted, educationally rooted, that the church is becoming more and more distinct. Now, the, the beauty of that is we know what we stand for, and we can speak into it. It's not blurry anymore. The world needs to hear the truth. They need to hear about this mercy of God. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says the church in the eras where, the, where the, the world and the culture is very distinct from the church is when the church has really grown. So I think that's something we can get excited about. That this world that we're not to be conformed to, the battle line's drawn. I was thinking about uh, even our teaching positions, sexuality, Sanctity of life, creation, male and female equal but distinct. Do you think the world would agree with any of that? The world's positions is so, we, we take those positions. No, we didn't craft them ourselves. We just went to God's word, say this is what God says in key areas of, of life. But how different the world would be right today in looking at those exact same situations and same topics. Yesterday's Toronto Star the, the first page was titled, Generation Anxiety. You know, the boomers and millennials are now, how would you like to be part of this generation? Generation Anxiety. So this world about us, just another reminder on the front page of the star with, with so much social media, technology, climate change, and, and all the unrest, no job security. What's our family going to do? And, and just, do I fit in? And, and all this just this mess really, this chaos. There's a lot of anxiety, this giant leap in anxiety-related things with young people. So we know that God has a solution for that, doesn't it? It was just an invitation, church, we need you, because generation anxiety is just kind of coming to be, and they have a great need. One paraphrase said, don't be so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's why I say, give our mind to the Lord. Discipline ourselves to come before God. We're his people. This is an appeal to believers. So the battleground is the mind. In Romans, all who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwells in you. So that is why in verse 2, he talks about renewal of our mind. We must say no to the lies of this evil age. We cannot be afraid to be different. Let's not be complacent. I just mentioned to one of my sons this week, what are you being conditioned by right now? Would it be the world 
or would it be the word of God? What are you conforming to by putting your, just by, by, by your own default position? What are you letting your mind be saturated with, your bodily parts be given to? It's a tough question. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, our, our eyes behold as in a mirror the image of the glory of the Lord. And that's how we're being transformed into that same image. What are your eyes beholding? What are you mirroring in your own heart that you're just taking in and taking in and taking in? Which is why I keep coming back to this church is growing because of discipleship, the word of God. In our foyer today, one-on-one by reading, core prayer, discipleship groups, this is what we're focusing on at Maple Ave. Every member a disciple maker, every member a disciple by giving ourselves to the word of God. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of you have done some one-on-one Bible reading in the last few years? You've been involved in that? Well, Seth and I have done Philippians this past year, and Seth and I got lots to talk about. Work, girlfriend, things like that, and the Leafs, the Raptors, biggest comeback in history, and stuff like that. But do you know what? When we get into Philippians, it is unlike anything we can talk about. It all of a sudden, there's something about where we're coming together in the Word that the Spirit is bringing to life, and we got the, the talk goes to a depth that, that never, in casually speaking, do we ever get to. Remember on the road to, to Emmaus when Jesus came alongside those people on the road? They said, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road? While He opened up the Scriptures? So one-on-one Bible reading, whenever we come what, to the Word of God, be re- transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Word of God is meant to prosper in us. I began a, a, a Bible reading plan. It's something else you should be thinking about. Read the Bible through in a year. I was thinking about this passage a little bit, and I, I opened up. i got to jump in the next year. Of course, Psalm 1. Blessed is the person who meditates on the law of God day and night. That person will be like a tree that prospers and that bears fruit and that can handle the heat when it comes. So that's similar to Romans 12. So when you're in your daily Bible reading, God just continues to fuel us into how we should live and how we should walk with him. The renewal of the mind is by the word of God. The word of God is living and powerful. And what does it reveal? The intents and thoughts of the heart. Pierces the division of soul and spirit. So the word renews our mind. It shows where our intent is, where it corrects us. It moves us back to where we should go. To the point where we cast down arguments and high things that exalt itself against God. The word comes and where's those arguments in our own minds? We're we're struggling. We're battling with what we believe and what we think. But the word of God comes and it casts down those arguments and high things that we might even be exalting right in our own mind. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So there's the Holy Spirit and the Word together. We sung that Holy Spirit. That was beautiful, too, that by the Spirit, God works in us and shapes us. So the verb uh, be, uh, that we might be transformed is passive imperative, which means it must be done by something or someone else. So that's a reminder, again, that this process is of God by His Spirit through His Word Chapter 1, a downward spiral away from God. 
chapter 12, renewal of the mind, an upward call of God in Christ. Reaching forward to those things that are ahead, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the sin nature. How many of you have been reading the Bible too much? That's a question to think about. The, uh, a very difficult time for our family recently, and all of us who have been touched by my brother-in-law, Bob, uh, at, his, at his passing. It's such a vibrant person, such a servant of God. And 16 months ago, he actually came to me in the barn. I just heard some news from the doctor, and he just kind of he grabbed onto me and just wouldn't let go. And I, I knew he heard some, something that was very, he was visibly shaken. And 16 months later, he's gone. And, and at the end, it just the last little month or so, he just got weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker, and the body just faded away. And at the end, he says, I just want to be with Jesus. And, but in the midst of that time, do you know what Bob was doing? He read, 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 read his Bible. He got to the point where he couldn't go upstairs anymore. Then he got to the point where he couldn't even go down the hall. He was just kind of more and more just, just right there in quietness and weakness, really, before God. He read the Bible, and when he couldn't read anymore, he just got the earplugs in listening to podcasts. So he was kind of a Romans 1 to 11 guy a little bit, just taking in the doctrine of God's mercy, God's mercy, God's mercy, and, and resting in that truth. And I know... Matt, who's going to Heritage, and I'm sure tons of other people were getting texts from Bob. I'm praying for you, Matt. Praying for you. Praying for you. Here's a verse. So here's someone, and I'm just looking at Bob. There's such a beautiful expression of a living sacrifice to God. Giving his mind over to constant renewal and his effort and time towards prayer. I told his family the most exciting thing for me is seeing Bob's prayers unfold in the days ahead. What a beautiful legacy he had. And to, to set ourselves down as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, he finished strong. He was kept by the power of God through faith. Though the outward man was perishing, the inward man was being renewed, and that was day by day by day by day through all this last 16 months to the point where what a beautiful, I've finished this. And and I'm going to use a verse back from Psalm 116 that I didn't say to you earlier. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I've always kind of thought, well, Lord, yep, I'm, I'm bought by the blood of Christ. I'm yours. How precious it is now I can come and be with you. But I've never thought about it in the light, in the light of there's a body that has been given in sacrifice to God. There's feet that took the gospel and hands that embraced and 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 tongues that spoke of God's truth, that precious in the sight of the Lord is this body that in this verse it says it's holy and acceptable to God. Amazing, isn't it? These sinful bodies that we need to confessing our sin, but given to God in his service, it's a beautiful sacrifice. And how precious it is for me to think about my brother-in-law and lots of us have lost loved ones. In the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So again, that's a beautiful part of Psalm 116. Where does transformation happen? It happens in community. We're going to just work through a, a few more minutes, and that was the bulk of the message. But, but looking, looking at verses 3 and, and on, 
It says there's another body pointed to in verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You know, one day it says Christ will present the church to himself, a glorious church. So when we present our bodies a living sacrifice, it's plural, isn't it? Brothers, collectively, brothers and sisters, present what your bodies, plural, acceptable to God, because we're individually members of one another. This is done in community, in the church. And as Christ will present at a glorious church, we want to present our body of Christ this year, at the end of 2019, present ourselves to God, a glorious body, sacrifice to God. Just such a beautiful thought. And our heart posture, if you look back to 1125 to the Gentiles, he says, don't be wise in your own sight. Chapter 3 of, chap- of, of verse 3 of chapter 12 here, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And again in verse 16, associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. So this happens in community. It happens with the heart posture of humility. Every one of us humbly coming before God. And in that humility, we sing of the glory of God, just like the Father does. The Father says he's exalted the Son, given him a name above every name. Together, we worship, we praise, we exalt the name of Christ. In humility, we, 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 if you magnify Christ, you'll magnify his church. This is his body. He'll present it to himself, a glorious church. So, so a high view of God and a high view of his church. Christ is the head of the church. He's the mind that governs his body. He's the head. And he renews our mind through his word. So there's a doxology, I think, that we can sing together that as we present ourselves together to God, if you look in verse uh, 16, it says, in harmony. So this harmonious doxology we sing together with a humble heart. And I wrote here we can sing it in the key of H. Not A to G, but H for humility. H for harmony. And it's a doxology. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. What are we going to sing about? We'll sing about the mercies of the Lord. We'll sing of his faithfulness, sing of his love, sing to the Lord as long as we live in Psalm 116. That's what we can do together. And just a little exhortation I think we need to heed. In verses 6 to 8, they talk about gifts that are given to each one of us. All believers have a gift. And in the coming year, let the preachers preach. Let's let the teachers teach. And the servants serve. And those who exhort, exhort. And those who give, do it with generosity. And those who minister with cheerfulness. What a beautiful exhortation. We've been given gifts. What should we do with them? It says there in four brief words, let us use them. In verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So as we lay our bodies down collectively, all of us are gifted. And we need every part of every one of those gifts. Do you remember this saying? This church is not a restaurant, but what? Now you're combining two things. 
This is like me calling Audrey Dorothy, kind of. (laughs) This is not a restaurant, it's a potluck. It's not a museum of saints. This is a hospital for sinners where we're coming before God in confession, but also sacrificing ourselves. So all these gifts, and what do we do in community? It's a potluck. People have told me recently, I'm a private person. I just like to come to church and, and, and then just kind of, that's what I think I need. No, we are being rebuked here. We are being appealed to. If this is God's mercy, what should we be doing? Presenting ourselves day by day by day, giving ourselves to the word of God day by day by day, and, and, and serving God and using the gifts he's given us. We need to be here contributing to the community of the church. And we sharpen one another, don't we? Um, We were doing a membership interview, Don and I and Joe. And for the membership interview, we just put aside all those questions that we're supposed to be asking, and we just looked at Romans 12. Let's just look at Romans 12 together, Don, Joe, and I. We're just picking out what what the membership means. We're members of one another, and what should we be doing in church? And it was the best membership interview we've, I've ever had, just looking at the Word of God and not the Maple Avenue kind of membership booklet. <laughs> but, but Joe was talking about going to C&C and asking Victor the tough questions. And I thought, how, what a beautiful, we have the gifts. Victor is teaching. Well, Victor, teach. So Victor's teaching in the C&C. Those who are called the Bible class will teach. And what a privilege it is to teach if God's gifted us to do that. But to go to a Bible study and ask tough questions and, and seek God together, I was just really encouraged. If you're CNC age, college age, get to our CNC group. It is spectacular. All the fluffy alternatives you might be doing that the world might draw you towards to, draw you towards are nothing compared to that. Do you know my brother came out to the barn this week, and he said, I just read Psalm 51, and I think it's my favorite psalm. Psalm 51, David with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my sin. And when that happens, do you know what? He said, then I will teach transgressors your ways. We come before God's mercy, and he's had mercy on us. And something in us, just all of a sudden now, we can serve him in light of his mercy. It said, and then what? In doxology kind of form, and then my tongue shall pour forth your praise. So there's Psalm 51. Mercy, doxology, sacrificial service. The sacrifice of God in this humble posture, a broken spirit, contrite heart. Psalm 51. And I said, Wayne, that's spectacular. I said, there's my sermon in one psalm. So I was really encouraged. So Wayne's in the Word of God. Martin Luther says that he was so focused on Scripture, he said, I beat importunately upon Paul at that place. He was in Romans. He just beat until he soaked out what the truth was out of that Scripture. And, and what did he come up with? He came up with this righteousness of God. What does it mean? It's true justification. And but to dig and dig and dig and search in God's word. Are you beating upon the word of God with other believers? And that's what we're called to do. That's discipleship. In these teaching environments and, and all that we do, coming here to Sunday morning, 
we're trying to dig into Romans 12. And it's exciting. So I want you to have a commitment. Read this chapter a few times this week with your family. You could even go back to Psalm 116. That's helpful too. Until that takes root, until this one grand appeal to all believers here at Maple Avenue, that we might together collectively present our bodies to God. And that sacrifice has a fragrance. One of my favorite scriptures, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, Paul writes, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, that's the mercy of God, a sacrificing and an offering to God for sweet-smelling aroma. There's Christ's sacrifice. There's the cross. What is a fragrance to God? Christ laid himself down. He was a living sacrifice, wasn't he? And, and, for a sweet, and, he, and we're supposed to walk in the same love. Love one another as Christ has loved us for this sweet-smelling aroma to God. So a sacrifice with a fragrance as we do it together. So we can present our church family and this body together to the Lord. I just want to draw your attention in closing, verses 9 to 13 and beyond. It says, by testing we might discern the will of God. So Romans 12 is a complete package. We can see how we're to function together, but how do we test our actions? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to the good. Love one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Are you contributing to the needs of the saints? Are you showing hospitality? When a brother or sister is hurting, are you weeping with them, rejoicing with them? That's by testing we might discern the will of God. This is the will of God. This genuine love, this love and compassion for one another. So Christ one day will present Maple Avenue believers as part of the grand church. He'll present it to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, but that she should be holy and without blemish. To him be glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for this appeal that's to every one of us. For some, it might be an appeal to cry out, O Lord, deliver my soul. I have a plea for your mercy. So, Lord, I pray for those hearts that they would see that you demonstrated your love and that while we, they were separated from you, you sent your son to die for them. So, Lord, I pray that that might be a cry of, of a heart this morning that you might meet. 